We have been praying our uh, students and teachers and school staff through the school year. And as of Friday, they made it. Good job. Um, it's a God sighting for me just to think of how, um, how hard it's been and how many people have kept showing up and figuring it out. And, um, you know, I think I've brought that up many, many weeks and we've prayed for them many, many weeks. And so I'm just grateful. Um, well done, uh, teachers and students and everybody else who was supporting students. Um, and um, thank you, God. That God brought us through, and hopefully our next school year will have different and more accustomed um, possibilities than than the ones that the one that we just finished. Um, we also have a God sighting, so I'm imagining that most people in the congregation um, were not aware. But a couple of weeks ago, Jordan was in the um, diaper closet, and he got a call from a lady, and she said. Um, long story short, my son's going to be in town. May he park his camper in your church parking lot while he's in town? And we kind of went back and forth and said, sure, you know, there's a spot over there. No problem. So anyway, um, the camper was in the parking lot for about a week. And then this week we got a note that says, uh, Dear Leadership of St. Matthews, thank you so much for your generosity in allowing my son to park his van at your church for a week. Doing that allowed he and my husband to experience a week-long father-son bike trip in beautiful Western North Carolina. Please, include, please accept the enclosed offering along with our sincerest thanks for the ministry of St. Matthews um, from Elise Rowan in Colorado. So I thought that that was just a really neat thing where, you know, we had something available and somebody asked and we said yes. And it turns out that that yes was a bigger blessing than we realized, that it gave an opportunity for a family to reconnect, that it gave um, a chance for you know, father and son to spend time together, and that then they were able to express their gratitude in an offering that blessed us in a way that we had um, never really expected or assumed when we said yes. So um, I'm so grateful when God does things like that, and I hope that we can all as a congregation and in our lives, just look for those places that we could maybe say yes and then kind of see um, what grows out of our willingness to say yes. Uh, we have a number of uh, prayer requests that are brought to us today. Um, Tom Russ has a, a frequent customer in Hickory named Linda. Um, Linda's mom, Lucille, is facing a, a lot of, of health issues and Linda's needing to rearrange her life to help care for her mom. So we'll pray for Linda and for Lucille um, and for their family as they face those changes. Um, Hannah asks prayer for Reverend David Orders. Um, Sherry Settles asks our continued prayer for her extended family. Um, uh, Betty Sue Johnson, the other aunt who was um, ill last week, uh, died this week. And so prayers for the family of Betty Sue Johnson and for all of that extended family as they um, continue to seek healing and wholeness. Um, and Vicki asks our prayers for Thomas, who fell on um, the corner of a table and bruised his ribs, so prayers for him as he recovers and for his family as they um, 
as they care for him. We continue to pray for um, everybody working hard to keep us safe um, and for those who are administering and receiving um, vaccines. Um, this is, I guess, a God sighting. Um, we have continued to be careful and, and thoughtful about how we're winding down the precautions that we've put in place. Um, and we committed to one another that we would wear masks in worship through today as the end of school. Starting next Sunday, if you are fully vaccinated, that means if you've received your second dose of Pfizer or Moderna or your single dose of Johnson & Johnson, and it's two weeks since your last shot, so I know that applies to a number of us and some others are still working on getting there, but if you are fully vaccinated and you choose, you may worship without a mask. Um, we're doing that um, step very thoughtfully and carefully, knowing that some of our brothers and sisters might be immune compromised and feel concerned about their own health being in the presence of others. Um, the data that we have is pretty good, that vaccinated people are pretty very low risk to others, including immunocompromised others. And so as a leadership team, we feel like that that is a step um, that, that is safe and appropriate to take. Of course, if you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, that is always okay for any reason, and nobody will give you a hard time about it. If um, you are not yet vaccinated, um, we would love to help you get an appointment if that's appropriate for you, and we would ask you for the time being to continue to be masked when we're in large group settings um, so that we can try to take good care of each other in that way. Uh, will you join me in prayer? God, we are so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for how you love in this world, and we're grateful that you include us in that love. When we reflect on your very being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community of grace, always pouring out love and always drawing us in to experience your goodness. We are so thankful. Help us to live as people shaped by your grace and help us to offer your grace in real and meaningful ways in your world. We pray for your church, that everywhere people call on the name of Jesus, we would be drawn into your presence, that we would work and worship in ways that bring you glory and in ways that foreshadow and advance your kingdom here and now. We pray for the leaders and the rulers of our world. We pray for everyone who has responsibility for decisions that affect many people. May those decisions be made with wisdom and with skill. May you inspire compassion and a concern for our common good in those who are making those decisions. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor, and all those elected and appointed to be our leaders. In a time of division and suspicion, May you fill them and each with each of us with a spirit of cooperation and mutual respect. 
We pray, oh God, for this, our local community. We pray for um, the crew working on Open to Hearts Place. God, keep them safe in their work. Help them to move uh, quickly and positively to bring those houses to completion. We pray for our students and teachers and staff as they transition into the summer. We pray that it would be a time of healing rest and that they would be renewed and strengthened after such good and hard labor. We pray for the particular people who've been brought before us today. We pray for Thomas Lutz and for Betty Sue Johnson's family. We pray for Reverend David Orders and for Linda and Lucille and all who care for them. May you fill and uphold these people by your grace. We pray for those who have asked for our prayers and we pray, oh God, for those who might be forgotten or have no one to pray for them. Open our hearts and help us to love. We pray in Jesus' name, who is teaching us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. This is um, sort of near the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Philippians that we've been um, reading some selections from over the last few weeks. And this is Paul kind of giving his um, final encouragement and, um, and exhortation to the folks in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul keeps circling back to the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God. The peace of God will be with you. The God of peace will bring the peace of God. And the peace of God has the power to shape lives. It has the power to shape the world. It has the power to redefine how we deal with each other, whether that each other is the folks in our own home or the folks in our town, 
or our global community, the peace of God is where things go God's way. The peace of God is where healing is valued, where strength is used and exists for the good of everybody. So sometimes it's easiest to see God's peace when we're thinking in contrast to sort of the ways that the world tells us about peace. And sometimes when the world talks about peace, that means that the biggest, strongest bully is firmly enough in control that nobody else gets out of line. And it's peace in a sense because nobody's getting out of line and there aren't the sort of um, small skirmishes or ongoing problems, but it's also not the peace of God. It's enforced by fear. It's held in place by a system of intimidation. You get the sense that it's not exactly that people wish each other well or people are looking out for each other's own best interest. It's just that your best interest might be not messing with somebody else. The peace of God has to do with people who are strong and use that strength to care for others. It has to do with people who are weak or broken or fragile, who are honored and protected and cared for, not in spite of those things, but who are honored and protected and cared for right in the middle of what's broken, of what's hurting, of what's fragile. The peace of God is a peace in which we rest in the love that God has for us. And that shapes everything else that we do or say and everybody that we encounter and how we interact. The um, upstairs adult Sunday school class, the, the one that Tom, John, uh, Tom Russ was leading this morning was, you know, having a conversation about... Um, Sometimes we imagine that being really holy means doing a lot of sitting around thinking good thoughts about Jesus. Um, and for most of us, for a lot of different reasons, that's not really sustainable. Like most of us don't actually spend a lot of time sitting around thinking good thoughts about Jesus, um, partly because we got other stuff to get done. <laughs> but the peace of Christ isn't, or the peace of God includes those moments of silence, those moments of reverence, the sense of, um, of just resting in God's presence. But it's not limited to that. The peace of God has to do with when we go about our daily work and we do so in the spirit of Christ. When we go about what God has given us to do and we go about it with a spirit of connection to God. You know, there are a number of different times in the Bible that talk about prayer in different ways, but I gotta say, I think this one is one of my favorites. When Paul says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, 
right? He keeps circling back to that. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we live a life that we're constantly turning our concerns, our questions, our problems, our struggles, when we're constantly turning those back to God and saying, God, this is where I am, this is where I hurt, this is what I hope, this is what I need, when we are constantly reflecting back to God all the things, but maybe especially the hard things, then we're putting ourselves in a place where the peace of God takes over, where we have a godly perspective on those challenges or struggles that we face. You know, one of the things I love about this particular passage about prayer is that it does not say, pray to God and you will get what you asked for. It doesn't say, prayer is a, is a sort of transaction where you always get the thing that you ask for, but it does say that prayer is valuable, that turning those things to God, that bringing all your in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let your tiny little requests be known to God. Let the great big desires of your heart be known to God. Let your thoughts and feelings and worries about the world at large be known to God. And God will take them. God will hold them. God will mold them. God will mold you in the process so that the peace of God begins to take over your life or continues to take over your life. When we have that posture, when we pray and when we ask and when we give thanks and when we trust God to move within us to bring God's peace, then our, prayer, our lives of prayer can grow and expand. We don't really have to keep score about like, did God answer this or that or the other thing? What was the outcome and what was the date? And did it or did it not match up with what I imagined the right outcome would be? It goes beyond that to say, maybe the outcome completely didn't match up with what I wanted it to be, you know? Um, maybe I prayed to God and the outcome was not what I hoped for. But the bigger outcome that I'm connected with God, that I'm willing to let God in on all my hurts and all my hopes and all my worries, that is a good outcome. That is God's hoped for outcome that in everything, and especially in our times of need or hurt or hope, that we would turn to God so that we wouldn't be sort of dwelling in or stewing on or worrying about whatever it is before us, imagining that we're apart from God. Of course, we never are, in fact, apart from God. That's not the way it works. We don't have that power. God is God and God is with us. But we certainly have the power to imagine or struggle or move through our life as if this particular worry isn't that important to God. I can't bother God with this. Or this is too big. God, 
doesn't have time for me. (laughs) Or, you know, I've done X and Y and Z thing that I'm not proud of, so I need to get my stuff together before God wants to listen to me. That's not what God says, y'all. God says, bring it to me. I want to hear. I want to be with you. I want all your hurts, all your worries, all your troubles. I want you to bring them to me. I want you to hold them before me. I want you to know that I'm listening, that I understand them even better than you do, that I care, and that I have your ultimate good at heart. God says, I care. I want to hear about it. I have your ultimate good at heart. Bring everything to God. And the more and more we do that, the more and more God's peace can shape our lives. And over time, we might find that our prayers shift as well. You know, sometimes people have said to me, well, I shouldn't pray for that because it's not big enough or it's too selfish or whatever. Let me tell you this. If you keep bringing what is on your heart to God in prayer, whatever it is, if you keep bringing what is on your heart to God in prayer and God thinks you need a change of heart, God will make that happen (laughs) with no judgment, no anger, only loving kindness. But if you're praying in a way that you're worried might be selfish, the best thing to do with that is keep bringing it to God. Because God is the one who can work with that, who can do what needs to be done. If you imagine that there's some part of you that's not presentable enough to God to bring to God, so you're just going to try to deal with it on your own, that's not a winning strategy, y'all. The parts of us that we might most want to hide from God are the parts that God can tenderly love and care for and heal if we're willing to open those parts to God. So, you know, when Paul says, bring everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. If you're worried that it's not godly, it's all right. Because probably it's really... Probably it's really acceptable to God and God's eager to hear it in the first place. But on the small chance that maybe God wants to push you in a new direction or transform what your thoughts and hopes and prayers are about, the best way to help that happen is to bring it to God. So let your prayers and supplications and thanksgivings, bring all your requests to God so that God can fill you with God's peace. And then that peace of God that passes all our understanding. And y'all, that has proved so true for me. I'm a person who loves to understand. I love to have the right formula and the right answer and the, you know, top score on the test. I like to understand But the peace of God is something that's beyond what I understand. (laughs) The peace of God is beyond having the right answer or the right formula. It's not only the, 
you know, it's not like the more information you know about God or the more years you've followed God, the more... No, it's just the peace of God passes all that, all that understanding, and it, it holds our hearts and our minds. So bring it to God. And then... Whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent, anything worthy of praise. Paul invites the Philippians and invites us, think about these things. Let your mind be open to, be on the lookout for. Um, one of my, one of my uh, colleagues used to say that preachers, and I would say by extension all Christians, can think like reporters who are reporting the inbreaking of God's kingdom. And we're always on the lookout for a new story. We always have our ears attuned for where do we hear evidence of God's goodness and glory breaking through? Where is something good or encouraging or true or right or holy? How do we think about these things? How do we recognize them? How do we share them with others? And that too leads us back into the peace of Christ. Because when we are on the lookout for those places where God's goodness is present, we get drawn more deeply into them. And when we get drawn more deeply into them, we get more fully shaped by them. And when we're fully shaped by them, we're living in the peace of Christ. Sometimes living as people of faith feels hard. Sometimes we feel uncertain or misunderstood or, you know, this past year we've had the experience of not being able to do it the way we have done it and that's felt weird and uncomfortable. And yet, and yet Paul encourages us and yet the witness of the church encourages us that we can step into the peace of God, that we can receive the presence of God in so many different ways, whether or not we expect it, whether or not it's the way we've done it before. And the more open we are, the more opportun opportunities we have. And so my prayer for us as a congregation and for y'all as you move forward into the next phases of your life as a congregation with a new pastor is that we could be open and curious and ready so that that peace of God can fill us and can be our um, trademark in the world, can be the thing that we show in the world. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. I'm going to invite you to join with me in a time of reflection as we um, enter into our final song. Um, Will you enter this time of reflection? When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll
See you.